First and ten football. If you ain't in, get out. This is the training camp report on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Presented by Bud Light, America's favorite light lager. FedEx, where now meets next. Lecom, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. By your neighborhood Ford store. Excella Health, Expert Care, here. And by Ireland Contracting, Pittsburgh's number one home exterior expert. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF or visit IrelandContracting.com. Ready or not, and it seems so quick that it's upon us. The Steelers are going to play a preseason game Thursday night in Canton, Ohio, in the Hall of Fame game against the Dallas Cowboys. And it's a first chance to see Najee Harris, the team's number one draft pick. And Mike Tomlin said he will play Thursday night, and he will play in every preseason game even though he will be the team's feature back. We'll see how much he does play. But even Mike Tomlin said we're excited to see him. Good evening, everyone. Jerry Dulac along with Bob Labriola, the editor of Steelers.com and Steelers Digest. Uh, We are at the Bigham Tavern on Mount Washington. It's our Bud Light uh, training camp show. And, Bob, always good to be with you. And uh, we're in a new locale, both for you and I. Yep. Nice place up here off Virginia Avenue on Bigham Street. And uh, we're here until 8 p.m., bringing you all the latest from uh, training camp. Today was the last open practice for the week prior to uh, the Cowboys game. And, uh, Bob, but here it is, right upon us, the first preseason game. The Steelers will play four, of course, and uh, so the Dallas Cowboys. Otherwise, the rest of the league will play only three. Uh, but Mike Tomlin likes every opportunity he can to evaluate his young players not just in training camp, but especially in games, and not just the games, Bob, and he said it's about Najee Harris, how they prepare for a game, how they handle the situation. Those are all the things he monitors and watches with these young guys. Yeah, you know, Jerry, I I never really believed that I would ever feel this way and or say it out loud into a live microphone, but, (laughs) you know, I'm looking forward uh, to this preseason opener. Uh, You know, one calendar year after the preseason was canceled by COVID, uh, you know, this is actually, at least the way I see it, a, a, uh, an opportunity to make some sense of what we've been watching, you know, at training camp. And, you know, last year we weren't, or at least I wasn't, uh, even allowed to see training camp on a daily basis. And so, you know, I, 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 I share some of Mike Tomlin's enthusiasm for the preseason. I don't think I quite match his level of enthusiasm for it, but... Um, you know, I am looking forward to it. And, you know, you mentioned this um, about, you know, who is playing. Um, I was curious to, to see how he was going to handle it. You know, I didn't know if he would look, view it, treat it like the, the, the regular season finale last season against the Browns where, you know, you don't play anyone um, uh, who you consider significant uh, for the, the next week's game. Um, but it seems to me that uh, against the Cowboys on Thursday night at the Hall of Fame game, the guys who don't play are going to be the older, experienced guys. Uh, but guys who are younger, and even the, though they are going to be expected or counted upon to have significant roles during the regular season, and I'll just throw out 
three names for you. Najee Harris, Alex Highsmith, Chase Claypool. They're going to play because uh, Mike Tomlin believes that um, their relative youth slash and experience, if you want to call it that, uh, warrants going through this process, you know, of getting themselves physically and mentally ready for a football game. And so, you know, the guys who, the three guys he mentioned in his news conference earlier today who he used as examples of guys who will not play were Ben, Cam Hayward, and Joe Hayden. So I think we're going to see that kind of uh, methodology, who doesn't play, plus the injured guys, but everybody else, um, here we go. Yeah, the injured guys being Eric Ebron, uh, uh, Stephon Tewitt, TJ Watt, who chooks a core for whoever. Dotson. Uh, who was the other one? Kevin Dotson. Kevin Dotson, right. Um, right. Even though he's a young guy who he would want to right, see play, right. um, the other guys doesn't have to. Maybe Chooks, though, at left tackle. Uh, but those guys have not been out. Did you uh, mention Ebron? Uh, I did, and I don't know that Zach Banner will play. We've seen right. him just very Devin limited. Devin Bush even. Right, exactly. I would not expect Devin Bush to play. And even though I, uh, Mike Tomlin said that he wants to see Najee Harris, he says we have four opportunities and we want to see him in all four. I really don't think he's going to play a whole lot. I think you won't see him past the first quarter. You might only see him for a couple series. I mean, Bob, he's their feature back. He's, he's going to, I don't want to say he's going to be their offense because that's Ben, but he's going to be a big part of it. They're excited to have him. They're going to feature this guy, and I don't think they're going to expose him too much in the preseason. They want him for the regular season. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, to me, he is really the, the last best hope for the 2021 uh, running game, um, especially in terms of what Steelers president Art Rooney II talked about back in January, uh, you know, an effective uh, running game, developing that. Uh, I think that it's Najee Harris um, because I really don't see any of the other guys. All due respect to them, uh, they're all complementary pieces. Uh, this guy, uh, Najee Harris, is a, in my opinion, um, I won't say proven because he's not, but he is a, a, a feature running back. And so we've, we've even seen it, at least I have, in, in the training camp practices so far. He's a guy who, you know, if it's blocked for two yards, he might get you four or five. Right, right. And they haven't had that. They really have not. So I agree with you. I, I And I certainly, certainly, certainly believe that Najee Harris will not be exposed to opponents in the preseason behind anything less than what the Steelers perceive to be. Um, Competent offensive line. Yes. Right, right. Yes. And a quarterback and receivers that will make the defense respect, the opposing defense respect the fact that they're not just giving him the ball um, and, you know, uh, kind of expose him as a target. You know, Bob, uh, yet yeah, Najee Harris is not only the feature back to be, it is right now, of course, and will continue to be. He's a number one draft pick, a running back who's a number one draft pick, which you don't see much of that, uh, you know, in the last five, six, seven years in the National Football League. Not only that, he's the best player at his position. He's right. the best running back in the draft. And at 24, the Steelers got the best player at, at his position. And when you can do that, to me, that's, a, that's why I thought the draft right off the bat was a home run when you can get that player the best at his position at number 24. Yeah, and, and on top of that, just supporting what you're saying, 
added to that is the fact that it was a significant position of need. Right, right, right. You know, so, and the other thing about him, and I believe that I have seen enough, at least I have, in training camp to make this statement, he's a three-down running back, yeah, too. Yeah. You don't need to take him out on third-down passing situations. Um, he may not be yet Le'Veon Bell, but he is more than just the guy you send out, you know, three yards uh, off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he turns around and you throw him the ball. He can run some patterns. You know, I'm not going to call him Marshall Falk or anything in terms of a receiving running back, but this guy has some legitimate NFL receiving skills. And so we've also seen, at least so far, in backs on backers and other kinds of drills like that, that he is a willing uh, and um, a blocker who is, I won't say he's accomplished yet, he's pretty close, but he's not necessarily accomplished yet, but he's willing and he works at it. He is enthusiastic about the role. Uh, He does not half-step through that. No, he's not timid about it at all. No, he is not. Sticks his nose Uh, in there. Sticks his nose in there. And so, um, yeah, I like everything about this guy. Yeah, uh, me too, Bob. And when, you know, we talk about excitement for the first game, anytime you have a a splash player, uh, a rookie, a number one pick, uh, like Najee Harris, you're excited to see him. I mean, we see him in training camp. We see what he's like. We saw him in shorts. You know, the guy's a stud. And, and what you see in training camp, uh, you know, it's, it's very impressive. And, and now is a time, regardless of what, who he's going to be playing against, it's just a chance to see this guy who everybody saw at Alabama, saw all his skills, his agility, his power, his speed. And now, you know, the, everybody's excited to uh, – to uh, see this guy, and to your point about being a willing participant, it's one thing I noticed about him, Bob. He's not taking one blocking drill and sitting down. He's involved in every drill as much as any rookie or, or undrafted free agent on, on the football field. Yeah, I mean, he, he wants to be involved. He, he's not, he doesn't shy away from repetitions. You know, he's not looking, you know, for the water cooler when it's, you know, time to step up and, you know, maybe square off against Alex Highsmith or one of those other guys in some of those uh, competition drills. So, you know, Najee Harris, I I don't want to, um, uh, you know, overstate, but it just seems to me that, you know, the Alabama people that the Steelers have, I'm talking about uh, college, not necessarily from the state. Right. But um, that's a program, Minka Fitzpatrick, Najee Harris. These are guys who, you know, don't even though they are – Highly drafted, highly pedigreed players. They do not conduct themselves that way. Um, both of both of them are very willing and consistently show up for, you know, early work before players come out, late work after practice is over. Uh, they seem to uh, embrace the pressure that comes along with being the kinds of players that they are and what is expected of them once they join the NFL. And, um, hey, I, I'm with you, Jerry. I, I, I really am excited about him, uh, looking forward to seeing him play, and I really think he's going to be an asset to this team in 2021 and moving forward from there. Bob, Mike Tomlin said today, obviously, first preseason game, it's just going to be very vanilla, very basic. You'll see, not going to see them doing uh, anything fancy or different on defense. Same on offense. He just wants to see, uh, you know, some, some fundamentals. Mm-hmm. 
and who can play, who wants and can play football. They're not worried about uh, any of their schemes or executing uh, any of that stuff. Just the, just the basic stuff. Two other, well, one other rookie uh, that that they will be watching closely, which Mike Tomlin said really at the beginning of camp is going to start at center, and I believe will be their starting center in Buffalo is Kendrick Green. And Bob, there has been nothing in training camp to make me think that this guy is not a feisty, tough guy who can handle the position. Certainly not going to say he's going to step right into Marquise Pouncey's footsteps, but he is a guy who has exhibited some of those same qualities who I think uh, looks like he's a guy who can be an NFL-capable quality player, if not right off the bat in a very short period of time. Yeah, I agree with you, Jerry. I do believe that you know he's going to end up being the starter um, and, you know, he, he has a lot of the things that I, I think that uh, the Steelers like for the position. And to me, he also has some similarities to some of the previous players, you know, that they've had there. Now, I hesitate to say this because you don't really want to lay this kind of comparison on a guy before he's taken his first NFL snap even in the preseason but you know if you look at how the Steelers have approached um, manning that position through the draft anyway I mean there have been right. uh, you know the Jeff Harding's move Justin which, Hartwig <laughs> right, brought him in yeah right? well but what I mean though is is that when you look at the guys they've drafted you know Mike Webster was a guard and a lot of times when you're when you're characterizing or generalizing about the different offensive line positions, guards are a little bit more athletic than centers. And so that was the same uh, path that Dermoni Dawson followed. And so it seems to me that the Steelers are looking for a center who has maybe uh, a little bit more in terms of athletic ability, movement skills, those kind of things, than a, a strict guy, college center. And that's what Kendrick Green is as well. He was a guard in college. And then you kind of uh, transform him, mold him into that position. And if it works, and it seems like it will again, it certainly did with Webster and Dawson. If it works, you have a an athlete at a position who uh, – you have a player at a position whose athletic skills are a little bit better than your typical – guy who plays that position in the league and that allows you to do some things you know that other teams cannot do and so I've been uh, I'm talking about this guy a lot you know my understanding is that you know you don't have David DeCastro anymore uh, he's been replaced by Trey Turner and so some of the pulling that you would do with DeCastro or had done with DeCastro now might be done with Kendrick Green even though he's a center, he has that movement, uh, open space ability to make blocks on the move. And so, you know, you don't, you, you're replacing David DeCastro with Trey Turner, who's not that kind of move athletic guard, but now you have it maybe with your center. And so you can do some things that way, you know, as well. So as I said, I don't want to compare him too early to, uh, you know, guys who are in the Hall of Fame, but... When you're talking about the physical skill set, the athletic profile of the position, it seems to follow a pattern. And your point about Jeff Hardings is he was a guard 
at as one well. point, too. Yes. When uh, they, uh, I did, did, had he already moved to center, or did they move him to center? I can't no, remember. he had not played guard. Or, excuse center. me, he had not played center in the NFL until he came to the Steelers. Yeah, because he was with Detroit as a guard. He right. played guard at, at Penn State. That, that, that's right. And uh, yeah, when I, I thought you were talking about some outsiders that they brought in beyond the draft, that's why I said Justin Hartwig would play two years, I think, as, as a yes. starter. And then, and then Marquise Pouncey. Replaced him, I believe, yes. right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And he played some guard in uh, college as well. Him and his brother, twin brother. Oh, oh, Pouncey. They were, yeah. yeah, the Pounceys. They, uh, Urban Meyer, you know, moved them around and they're in the middle of the offensive well, line. I, I, I can't remember if you were there or not uh, because I know you were at the combine, but maybe this predated when you went, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I'll never forget when Mike Pouncey, were you there when at the combine? But he came up to the podium, and we're talking to him, 15 of us, 10 of us, whatever. And I just couldn't get over. Obviously, his his twin, I mean, tattooed like Marquise, oh, maybe more. Right. Talks like him, facial expressions, looks like. I couldn't believe it. I just thought I was looking at Marquise. Unbelievable. I don't, I'm not sure I've ever seen a resemblance up close and personal like I saw with Mike Ponce. And, you know, the, the brothers, you know, beyond the facial, um, you know, the physical resemblance and, you know, a lot of the mannerisms. The voice and, and everything, yeah. Um, you know, Marquise Pouncey, one of the things he said uh, was that he he came out for the NFL draft uh, when he still had a year of eligibility left to allow his brother to play That's center right. at That's Florida right. because both of them believed that center was their best position. And so Marquise came out uh, and was the 15th pick of the first round, I believe, uh, to the Steelers, and that allowed Mike a season at Florida to play center. Didn't he get drafted earlier than 15? Um, I only I, say I, that I because I think I remember Marquise <laughs> always saying Mike would bust him about it, you know? Well, didn't tease him about it. Right, you know? and if, if it happened, I don't doubt that he uh, teased him about it one yeah. bit. I'll have to look it up during the break. Let's take a break, Bob. Jerry Dulac and Bob Labriola, we're at the Bigham Tavern on Mount Washington. We're here until 8 p.m. It's part of our Bud Light training camp show. We're going to take a break. We got a whole lot more to get to in, uh, in, uh, for the next two hours. Don't you dare go away. You're listening to ESPN Pittsburgh. Welcome back to our Bud Light Training Camp Report Show. Jerry Dulac and Bob Labarola with you from the Bigham Tavern on Mount, on Mount Washington. We are here until 8 p.m. Hey, for the most complete selection of Steelers merchandise from official sideline gear and authentic memorabilia. To our extensive selection of jerseys and terrible towels, visit one of the official Steeler Pro Shop stores located at Heinz Field, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets, or visit them online at shop.steelers.com for all your Steelers merchandise needs directly from the team. Bob, another guy who is going to get a lot of attention uh, Thursday night from the fans and the coaches is uh, quarterback Dwayne Haskins, who is going to get make his first appearance with the Steelers. Mike Tomlin saying today Mason Rudolph will start the game. We will see Dwayne Haskins sometime in that first half uh, because Mike Tomlin said he'll finish the first half, uh, likely maybe into the second half, and Joshua Dobbs will uh, finish the game. Ben Roethlisberger, of course, will not play. Ben Roethlisberger, if, passed, if the pass is any indication, he'll not play next Thursday night in Philly. The only game he will play will be home against Denver. But it's a chance for everybody, all these people who want Dwayne Haskins to be the franchise quarterback, the guy to replace Ben. He gets his first chance in a Steeler uniform Thursday night, and a lot of people are going to be watching. Yeah, and it, I, I, 
that's another um, compelling element right. to this game for me Curious anyway. Curious to see. Yep. Um, this guy's a very high uh, first-round pick, limited college experience, uh, and, and, and it turned out to be a negative um, negative situation for him with the Washington football team. Um, but, you know, watching him through the first, I don't know, what have, what have we been here, 10 days or so? 10 or 12, yeah. 10 or 12 like uh, in training camp. There is no – there is no uh, debate to me on Dwayne Haskins, <clears throat> excuse me, his, you know, physical talent, his arm talent. Um, he spins it. Uh, you know, they talk about spin rate in Major League Baseball. Um, Dwayne Haskins has a nice spin rate, and I don't know if he's using any of that goop, you know, or anything that uh, pitchers <laughs> yeah, are using right. uh, to spin the ball, the baseball. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, and really, and looking at this from afar, uh, you know, judging what may have gone wrong for him uh, with the Washington football team, uh, I think that, uh, you know, some of the things about quarterback play that you can't script, that you can't count on from one down to another, you know, what do you do when things break down? What do you do when the defense isn't where they're supposed to be or where you think they're going to be? You know, how do you adjust in the pocket, um, your decision-making, you know, those kinds of things. Um, you know, those are the Dwayne Haskins issues, I think, that, you know, he has to improve upon from his initial experience in the league. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to see whether he is able to do that, you know, with the Steelers because um, – he, he seems to me to be a very – he was a very low-risk addition Absolutely. to the roster. Right. Um, and, you know, who knows how it turns out. I, I – you know, Mike Tomlin is one of those coaches who, you know, <laughs> his phrase is, I don't want to paint with a broad brush. You know, Dwayne Haskins, I think, when he was first added to the roster, <clears throat> was much closer to being cut – than he was to being the number two quarterback. I'm with you there. Now, I don't know that he has or has not made up any ground or moved himself, you know, significantly on that meter one way or the other. And I think the preseason games, you know, are going to tell us. And um, I think it's been telling to some degree, you know, that Mike Tomlin has not definitively said you know, Mason Rudolph is the backup, or Dwayne Haskins can not, you know, take that job, or one way or the other. He's kind of leaving it open. Uh, he hasn't gone so far as to say it's one of those two dogs, one bone situations that he has used in the past, you know, with receivers Antonio Brown and Emmanuel Sanders uh, to start. Um, so, again, uh, I, I do think that, these preseason games for Steelers fans, uh, that's one of the things that, you know, is going to be worth tuning in and paying attention to. You know, Bob, I don't think, uh, to your point about being closer to making the team as opposed to uh, uh, being the number two quarterback, uh, I think you would agree with this at this point in time. I think, uh, I don't want to say it's safe to say, but it's, it's looking like a good bet that Dwayne Haskins will make the team and be that third quarterback. I don't think there's any question about that. But... Uh, I don't know. I think they want to see whether he potentially could be the number two, but I, 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 I have gotten no sense that right now there is any type of battle, nor will there be until they play, until they see this guy 
you know, in against teams who want to give him different looks on defense. Right. Because that's his problem. That right. was his problem in D.C. He didn't know what he was looking at. He doesn't go through his progressions. When he's on se- in seven on seven or in training camp on certain, uh, you know, plays, when he knows he has to go to one guy and that's it, boy, he looks good. But you don't see him. Like Mason Rudolph takes probably to, to somewhat to his detriment. He spends a lot of time in camp, and maybe he wants to do this, going through his progressions. You don't see Dwayne Haskins do that, and that was his problem in D.C. Yeah, um, when, you know, when the defense, you know, I remember Bubby Brister always, you know, talking about, because, you know, when the kinds of things you're, you were referring to, um, seven on seven, you know, they show you a card. Right. And the defense does what's on the card, despite what they might see or think. Um, that's that's when I want to see what Dwayne Haskins does, when there's no cards. When you don't know, uh, as Kurt Warner learned in Super Bowl 43, when you're expecting James Harrison to rush, but he doesn't, do you make that mistake that leads to a pick six that maybe costs your team the game? And so uh, those are the kinds of situations I think that Dwayne Haskins has to be able to conquer. Uh, I do agree with you now, though, that Dwayne Haskins, I won't say he has the team made, but he sure is a lot closer to making the team than he is to getting cut. And it's not so much to me about what I see on the field, but how um, the, the repetitions and those kinds of things are allocated. I mean, when you see like seven shots on days that Ben is playing, sometimes Josh Dobbs doesn't get any right, snaps. Right, right, I know. Um, so, uh, you know, th- those kinds of things to me uh, indicate the way that the tide seems to be flowing uh, in terms of the quarterback depth chart. Yeah, and, and let's be fair to a degree, too. A lot of times, you know, Mike Tomlin wants to take a look at guys uh, you know, new players, rookies, whatever, in those situations, more so than a guy who who has been around. I will say this in Josh Dobbs' defense, too, uh, not so much about who's going to make the team, but I will say this. He's looked very good at camp. Now, I know they know what he can or cannot do. He's had some limited opportunities, and we haven't seen a lot. I think there was a big third down play in Baltimore, right, a 20-some yard pass that was really a big-time play at a big-time moment that helped them win that game. Um, but there are other times when Josh Dobbs get in there and all he's capable of doing is running running with the football. So Waiting for the play to break down yeah, and then, yeah, and then trying take to make off. a play with his legs. Um, yes. But I will say he has made a lot of impressive throws in training camp when he's had the opportunity. But, again, they, they kind of know what they have with Josh Dobbs. We've seen them move on from him before, and it wouldn't surprise anyone if they moved on him from again. That being said, I, yeah, I really like the guy. I mean, he's a nice guy, smart kid. And, uh, you know, nice, good guy to have on a team. Yeah. and you know, But then you and I are good guys, too, and we're not helping them win games, Bob. Uh, you know, the, and the other thing in terms of, you know, Dwayne Haskins moving up the depth chart, um, an element of that I really believe is going to have to be Mason Rudolph losing the job. Oh, yeah, I agree. Because I don't know that, um, you know, coaches are all that excited about making a change unless – they are, I won't say confident, but at least suspect that the guy who currently has the job might either be slipping, he's either maxed out in terms of, you know, what his ceiling is or, or, or something along those lines. So, uh, again, four preseason games have been torture, Jerry, for me and you, <laughs> uh, and five were just, oh, hell on earth. But I know. But this, this summer 
I think they have a lot of value. Bob, let me throw this out to you. We, uh, we had a chance after practice to talk to Dwayne Haskins. First time since minicamp, I believe, is when we talked to him. Uh, uh, excuse me, OTAs, I believe. And he was asked, uh, because Mike Tomlin said he's going to play in the second half, is this your first tryout to be the, quote, franchise quarterback, which is a bit of a presumptuous question. But nonetheless, his answer was, quote, I felt like that the first day I got here. I've been told certain things. That's between me and the coaches. I just have to go out there and prove I can play. I mean, he's intimating that they've alluded to him that you have a chance to be that guy, and maybe we think we, you can be that guy. I'm not saying that's what they said, but he said, I've been told certain things. That's between me and the coaches. Just It was a bit of a curious comment that raised a lot of eyebrows when he said it. Well, you know, and I would imagine that, in, in my opinion, that's kind of the way you want to approach the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't want to, you know, put him in a box and say, you're a, third, you're a number three guy here, you know. Either make the team or we're going to cut you and, you know, this is your role. I mean, um, I don't know that uh, Mason Rudolph has done anything or shown anything that you would say definitively that he is the starter in waiting. I mean, I don't believe that they have ruled out that possibility, uh, but I also don't believe that, you know, that is something that, you know, they are committed to. And so, you know, with a guy like Dwayne Haskins, certainly – the Steelers, to some degree, um, examined him somewhat closely leading up to that draft. How, however, Kevin Colbert has admitted that during in the run-up to that draft, they had a very good idea that they would have no uh, opportunity to draft the guy. So, you know, their examination of him and preparation in terms of uh, scouting him wasn't what it would have been for players that they believed, you know, were in the mix right. uh, in terms of picking them. So, um, but still, uh, he's, a, he's a talent. I, I don't know if I would call him a great talent, but certainly uh, an NFL-caliber talent at a very important position. And so, you know, I wouldn't want him uh, to – I wouldn't want to stunt his growth or dampen his enthusiasm, you know, or anything. And, um, yeah, hey, Dwayne. If you're great, you can start here when Ben leaves. Sure, why not? Yeah. If you're great, but be great. And as you know, that's the way Mike Tomlin, uh, you know, works on these guys right. and gets them to believe in themselves and boost their, their confidence. Them. Right, and then challenge them at the same time. Uh, absolutely. Well, Dwayne Haston's going to get his opportunity Thursday night, and a lot of people are going to be curious to see uh, what he does and how he looks. He is going to play toward the end of the – somewhere in the first half. He's going to finish the first half likely into the second half, and then Josh Dobbs will finish it from there. Mason Rudolph will get the start. Thursday night, 8 p.m. in Canton, Ohio. It all starts for the Steelers. We're going to take a break. Jerry Dulac and Bob Labriola. It's our Bud Light uh, training camp report show. We're at the Bigham Tavern on Mount Washington. Bob and I are here until 8 p.m. We're going to come back with more right after this. The Steelers kick off Thursday night against the Dallas Cowboys in the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio at 8 p.m. And at 6 p.m., our coverage begins on the Steeler Network when you can join me, Bob Labriola, and our friend Mike Prasuda for our 90-minute pregame show on the Steeler Radio Network. I don't know how many years, Bob, we've been doing that together, the three of us, but uh, uh, we always look forward to the start of every season, and we will start again Thursday night at 6 p.m. And, Bob, new edition 
to the Steeler broadcast team, the former Steeler offensive tackle, Max Starks. He will be on the sideline for every game, home and away, along with Missy Matthews. Uh, Max is, uh, uh, in addition to be a really good player, is a really good dude, and we're glad to have him uh, on the sideline for every game. Yeah, and Max, you know, I remember him as a player, a lot of insight, you know, always a guy who was, um, you know, accommodating, uh, willing to give of his time, and talk about football, and so, you know, those are the kinds of guys that, uh, in my experience, uh, typically do well when they transfer uh, to the media. And I also think that, you know, if you're looking for a certain position uh, of an ex-player to be down on the sideline, I think offensive linemen, you know, are, are good choices because, you know, they're used to kind of seeing the game from close quarters. And when you're down on the field, that's the way you're watching the game. And our friend Craig Wolfley will remain in the broadcast booth. Uh, and uh, our friend Ton Chilkin, of course, is retired. So Billy Hillgrove will be joined by Craig Wolfley in the booth. And then Missy Matthews and Max Starks on the sidelines for every Steeler game, home and away. And as of right now, Bob, and let's hope it continues that way, uh, unlike last year, the uh, broadcast crew will be uh, at every game. So uh, that is exciting both for them and for the fans. Bob, I wanted to also ask you before we get back to talking about uh, uh, the players in the upcoming game. Uh, the Steelers announced their Hall of Honor class, of which you were part of in terms of the selection committee. Uh, our friend Tun Shilkin, as I mentioned, it's a great honor for him. John Kolb, former offensive tackle. Carnell Lake, the uh, former Pro Bowl safety. And Louis Lips, the uh, wide receiver, make up this year's Hall of Honor class. Yeah, you know, uh, being on the Hall of Honor selection committee, uh, you know, is, is uh, a special treat for me. You know, I was humbled when Steelers President Art Rooney II asked me, you know, to be part of it. And, you know, what you quickly learn uh, in that role is that there are so many players in France, Steelers franchise history where when it comes to the Hall of Honor, it's not a question of if they belong, but when do you choose them uh, to be included. And, you know, all of the guys, we're, we're still very much, you know, in my opinion, in the uh, it's not if but when uh, phase of selecting people you know, for the Hall of Honor. And, uh, you know, uh, at different times we have tried to <clears throat> select players from different eras of franchise history. You know, the Steelers are, you know, almost 90 years old. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the Hall of Honor I, I think is seen by – uh, Art Rooney II as a opportunity not only to recognize uh, players for their contributions to the franchise and to the community, but also it serves as a way to maybe expose and or educate the Steelers fan base, you know, to a, a different eras of franchise history and to different guys who were significant parts, you know, of that franchise history. And so... Um, you know, four guys you mentioned, there wasn't one of them who hadn't been already considered in, in previous classes. And so, uh, you know, we just decided that it was time for uh, some of these guys to be recognized. Uh, just to be specific here, and I'll do it quickly, uh, Joe Gordon, the longtime Steelers PR director, uh, spoke about Louis Lips, and he's, 
He recalled a conversation with Chuck Knoll um, during Louie's uh, early career with the Steelers, and he asked Chuck um, how he would describe the difference between Lips and John Stallworth and Lynn Swan, and Knoll said, there isn't any. So that's pretty high praise from a guy who knows a little bit say, about what, what it. What does Chuck know? <laughs> um, John Kolb, to me, uh, one of the most maybe, certainly in the conversation of uh, significantly underrated players in Steelers franchise history, left tackle for all those four Super Bowl teams and never allowed a sack to any of those uh, pass-rushing defensive ends uh, that were Steelers' opponents in those four Super Bowls. Uh, Lips, I mentioned. Um, Coronel Lake, to me, uh, selflessly saved two different Steelers seasons, 1995 and 1997, by agreeing to switch from his position of strong safety to play cornerback. And then, you know, Tunch, um, a great player on some bad teams, and then uh, part of the broadcast team for a long time. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous individual and ambassador for the Steelers franchise for decades. You know, Pat Hanlon, now currently the executive vice president of the New York Football Giants, at the time, during Tunch's, uh, the bulk of Tunch's playing career, was the assistant PR guy who also at that time served as the head of community relations, which was kind of a uh, burgeoning area that all NFL teams were exploring. And, you know, Pat always talked about what a go-to guy Tunch was. Pat sent an email to the committee member saying, you know, there isn't a um, pancake breakfast in any small town in central Pennsylvania that Tunch Ilkin didn't go and share with Cub Scouts. Uh, and so, um, you know, those are the kind of things that I think are meaningful uh, in a lot of different ways and, and worth acknowledging. Yeah, Tunch, just a wonderful human being and, uh, you know, a friend of both of us, uh, Bob, and uh, I, I don't have enough words in my vocabulary to dis uh, describe my admiration uh, uh, for Tunch and the battle that he has uh, undergone now with his physical health. I've said all along, if anybody can handle it well, who has the spiritual uh, uh, internal strength to handle it, it would be Tunch. And uh, we all wish him the best and God bless him. I'm glad to see uh, that uh, he gets uh, this honor. All the Hall of Famers are in the Hall of Honor, correct? Yes. And is that, and of course, five more going in uh, this weekend, Bob. And all, I'm trying to remember, are they all? Yeah, they were all previously right. elected. Um, so many people happy to see Bill Nunn being recognized. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Bill Nunn, I, ca I, can't, I can't say enough about uh, Bill Nunn, uh, his his impact not only on the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, but in the NFL as a whole in terms of creating opportunities for, you know, the historic, historically black colleges and university players. And, you know, Jerry, I, I tell this story every time the Bill Nunn stuff is brought up. I absolutely loved, loved the fact that he was a sports writer for the Pittsburgh Courier because every time, I'm telling you this, every time, I was ever told, what do you sports writers know about football? I would bring up Bill Nunn's name, and that usually ended the conversation, conversation slash argument about that. But before Bill Nunn was 
hired by Dan Rooney. You know, you look at those black college all-star teams that he would pick for the Pittsburgh Courier, and those annual banquets were held in downtown Pittsburgh every year. Uh, Deacon Jones, Buck Buchanan. I mean, these are players, you know, Bill Nunn gets a lot of credit for what he did for the Steelers in terms of building those championship teams in the 1970s. But go back and look at some of the guys that Bill Nunn introduced to the NFL and NFL teams. A lot of Hall of Famers, a lot of all-time great players uh, at a lot of different uh, schools. And um, it's just he is a historically significant person in terms not only of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but also in terms of the National Football League. Yeah, there's no question about it. And uh, uh, just his his, his uh, induction into the hall, just so embraced by uh, Kevin Colbert, who worked closely with him when he came here in 2000. Art Rooney II, the team owner, who goes back a long way uh, uh, with Bill Nunn. And it's just, it, uh, he's so revered and respected and liked by so many people in the organization. They're just thrilled that he's being recognized because, like you said, Bob, not just for what he did to help build those Super Bowl teams, but the impact he had around the National Football League because, really, the the, the torchbearer for scouting the small black colleges. Yes, and, um, you know, again, one of the things that Dan Rooney uh, made certain um, that happened when he hired Bill Nunn was Bill Nunn also scouted other colleges. I mean, he wasn't just the black college guy. They would send him to Ohio State. They would send him to, you know, different uh, big-time programs at that time. You know, but the thing about Bill Nunn was he had a relationship with a lot of those uh, coaches where, you know, Bill Nunn is the guy who uh, – Donnie Shell's college coach at South Carolina State. His name was Willie Jeffries. Um, Bill Nunn had such a relationship with Willie Jeffries – that he, Tony Shell was considering a few teams uh, as an undrafted rookie in 1974. But when Bill Nunn called Willie Jeffries and said, I, I will tell you that he will get a legitimate opportunity to make this football team, Willie Jeffries told that to Tony Shell. Tony Shell signs with the Steelers instead of the other teams. That's the kind of relationship he had. That's the kind of respect that he had, not only within the NFL community, but also within the college football community that guys like Willie Jeffries and Eddie Robinson and some of these college coaches, they would listen to Bill Nunn, and if he gave his word or told them something, they were confident enough in him that they believed it, and that often swayed guys' decisions in terms of uh, which teams they might want to uh, sign with. Yeah, Donnie Shelva being inducted, of course, this weekend. Uh, Alan Fanica, Troy Palomalu. And uh, Bill Cowher, uh, Troy Palomalo, of course, saying uh, last week, Bob, that he had tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. I hadn't heard any more of they, it, it, other than he said he's fine with very little symptoms. Has you heard anything more about whether he can attend they're, or not? They're, they're, the recent uh, news is that uh, they're very, very hopeful that he will be able to make his appearance and, and give his acceptance yeah, speech. Because um, he, he, would, he, of course, would be the favorite of every oh, yeah, he's Steeler the, Nation. Right, he is the, the, uh, he is the marquee attraction certainly for Steelers Nation this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be quite the weekend in Canton, Ohio. The Steelers playing Thursday night against the Dallas Cowboys. That's an 8 p.m. kick. And then Friday and Saturday nights um, at the Benson Stadium will be the induction ceremonies. Five members of the Steeler organization going into the Hall of Fame. That's going to do it for Hour 1. Bob and I will be back for Hour 2 of our Bud Light training camp. 
Report Show. We're at, Bingham Ta- at the Bingham Tavern on Mount Washington. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with Hour 2 right here on ESPN.